Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of November 2010. Now, to get to the main thing up the road in the, at the very beginning of the show, I always suggest newcomers go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. That's the main website. Bookmark the other sites you see listed there. These are all the official sites I have. And if you find sticking on downloading at the com, that's because so many folk use it at the same time, try these alternate sites. You might find a cleaner download and easier, quicker download too. Remember, all those sites carry uh, hundreds of audios for download. They're all free. They also carry lots of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given in English. They all carry them in English. And if you want them in other languages for transcripts and prints up, you can go into alanwattsentinel.eu and help yourself to what's provided there. While you're at it, remember too that you're the audience that bring me to you. I'm not in show business. I'm not in business. And therefore, I don't uh, take money from advertisers. That's how most the hosts support themselves. It's a necessity, really. And believe you me, if you don't do it, you really, really do hurt. So it's up to you, the audience, to keep me going. Or else I'll have to go with the advertisers and bring them on as guests and really give you half-hour ads or an hour ads. And you won't even know it. It'll be very entertaining, but you won't know that's what it is. So it's up to you to keep me going. And um, the ads you hear on this show are are paid by advertisers directly to RBN. And that pays for the airtime and the broadcasts and the staff and equipment and bills that RBN accumulates too. So help me out and buy the books and so on, the DVDs, the CDs I have for sale. Lots of the the, the CDs have 50 shows or more on them sometimes. And it's good to have copies of these because one day I won't be here and a lot of this stuff will be down the memory hole because that's what happens in this big Orwellian system that we're living in. So purchase the books, etc., and keep me going. Now, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office. You can use cash, send cash in the mail, that comes through. You can send a PayPal uh, as a donation, and you, if you want to purchase, send a donation, followed by an email with a name, address, and order, and I'll get that out to you. Across the rest of the world, a lot of people use Western Union, which is kind of hefty, it's steep. Uh, the alternative is MoneyGram. Uh, now, MoneyGram can be wired, it's more expensive that way, or it can be taken as a check from Urend and posted to me. That takes about seven days, but it's a lot cheaper. Some people from Europe send cash, and some people use PayPal again to order or donate, or by using the donation. As I say, if you want to order using PayPal, send the donation, uh, followed by your email address, name address, and order. So I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Same across the rest of the world, too to the Far East even. Um, it's, it's amazing, as I say, this, this world order, how people go through their lives never really knowing what's happening. And even when they're watching documentaries, they think they're being informed, 
And sometimes they will get a little bit of information, but the more is covered up by omitting the other half of everything. And that's how the system is really run. It's the omission of the other side of facts, the rest of the facts that give you the false impression. And that's how easy it is for main television, especially countries like Britain, and who've used the BBC since its inception, to brainwash the people and keep them utterly in the dark. And um, I've been going into culture creation, culture manipulation, cultural destruction uh, over the past few years because really that's how it's done. It's by from the top down. It's never from the bottom up. No one pops out, pops out in the 60s from a garage where they're banging tin drums together and their garbage drums and became a pop group and suddenly hit stardom. Didn't happen that way. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I just touched on, on culture creation there because we've been taught by so many misleading documentaries of the past, they're almost jokes, in fact they are jokes, the way they're presented, because if you live through those particular times, you had a completely different experience if you were aware of what's really happening. And as I say, uh, we have to realize that there's a big war on the world, a big war in the world, with two supposedly superpowers and two sides uh, a bit too cleanly cut for my liking, to be honest with you. But that's how it's presented to the world. But uh, one of the sides, uh, for sure, wanted to destroy all that was, to overthrow all existing forms of government, but it also meant existing forms of culture, everything that was, the whole um, kind of uh, setup of society, including the destruction of the home and the family and all of that kind of stuff. And they were so successful in doing it through the culture industry primarily, and putting out thousands upon thousands of books, of um, how-to books, are you happy with your sex life, all of that kind of stuff. Then the fake Kinsey reports that they put out, I mean, they got a guy who was a blatant homosexual to, to literally hire homosexuals and pretend they were the average guy, and he hired prostitutes too to, to say, well, they was, these were the average women. And he also sent uh, out guys who were pedophiles to uh, bugger little boys, um, and baby boys at that, and girls, with stopwatches to see when they started to scream, and then he interpreted it, they actually liked it, and that's what the noise was. This incredible stuff happened under the guise of science. Just phenomenal, incredible, that this could be allowed to happen. And then out came the books, and those books ended up changing the cultural values and the way people looked at sexual relations right across the board until everyone was trying everything except swinging from the chandeliers, and at the end of it all, you've got a defunct society, no marriage at all, single mum families, uh, drugs, alcoholism, and eventually, ultimately, an unworkable society where there's not even any work left for them to, to, to do. So a total war was waged out from the top down. And they went through the swinging 60s, what's was called swinging for a, a very good reason, because, again, television and the BBC, the government-run institution, put out one play or documentary or drama after another, plus all the movies that churned out, 
to just go ahead and do it all, no consequences, everything was just fun, fun, fun. So you're telling people to be perpetual children, which is not what a human being is supposed to be. You're supposed to grow older, wiser, and be mature. Uh, you were told to be fixed, actually, regardless of your age, in a time warp, and just be immature forever, literally. Literally, that was promoted for years and years and years, to destroy society. And then you find they were doing the same thing within the America, too. With the CIA, everybody thinks is their is best friend fighting the bad guys. And, of course, they never even realized that the same guys who were running the communist side uh, were running their CIA because they came out of the OSS from World War II, and most of them came from Europe who staffed it because they spoke all the languages. That's who were the operatives for the new CIA. And then they came out with a cultural Cold War, and America set up a culture industry run by the CIA. People didn't know about this. I've gone through some of the other aspects of it. There's so many other areas I could go into, but I won't, of uh, the different characters who belong to the top bands and so on, how they all came from military backgrounds, so did their parents, so did Madonna, by the way. And, um, and, the t- and the public are totally ignorant of it. I'm talking about intergenerational military top brass and their offspring. Same characters, too, you'll find involved in the setting up of the communes, free love, all that stuff that was meant to destroy society, which it actually has. Very successful takedown. And last night I talked from about Yuri Bezmanov, who was a KGB defector in the 70s, who came across to the West and told us about the, t- the cultural takedown and how it was implemented and how long it would take to finish it off and he actually said it was only about uh, five to ten years to go. And he was so surprised himself, and so were the Russians, at how fast their plan had worked. It hadn't taken them long at all to bring down the entire structure of value systems, role reversal, everything else that had been planned had been accomplished. And uh, society now didn't even know what they were anymore. Before, you, you knew you were British, you knew you were American, wherever you were, you were proud to be whatever because you had a defined culture and certain rights and all the rest of it, which you were proud to have, and you would fight for them. And here you are, you've lost it all. You've, you've, you don't even want to fight for anything uh, because you don't understand what you are anymore or what your culture is anymore. Totally destroyed. And that was all planned, the psychological warfare. And the folk haven't a clue. And he even said, too, so much of it was taught through academia. Still is being taught through academia, of course. And he said it's pointless to try to even discuss it with these characters because they are what he called contaminated, totally brainwashed, contaminated. And, and the thing is, when totalitarianism comes in, these characters that fought for ultra-liberalism with all its strange areas that it goes into, and, and primarily promotes, I should say, too, uh, the strange areas, that is, um, with the first to go because they would start to protest and the new masses do not stand uh, protests whatsoever or people contradicting the agenda they just eliminate them as they did in the Soviet Union so that's how stupid the people were as they promoted this workers utopia overseas which never existed in fact overseas was a horror story right to the bitter end and I've got uh, videos here I've watched quite a few of them and people send me them because I can't get them on, on the internet speed I get here so I'm always um, grateful for folk who send me documentaries hard to find or even hardly even known to do with uh, the sufferings of the Ukraine and Bulgaria and other Soviet countries and the Soviet Union itself 
and how horrific the purges were as they just uh, grabbed whoever they wanted to. It put me in mind, it put me in mind so much of uh, what they're doing over in Iraq and Afghanistan at the moment, um, where they just go into the streets. It's been admitted from the, from the top general in the U.S. They just grabbed whoever happened to be handy walking around, grabbed them into full, full quotas. They then got tortured for, for, for years, and the ones that survived are just kicked off into the street. Uh, that's what it reminded them of, because the Soviet Union ran the same way. They had quotas. The KGB actually had quotas of many people had to be arrested because everything worked by numbers and statistics. And people were getting lifted who thought they were obedient little citizens who followed all the rules and ended up in the camps to face an incredible horror and torture and dehumanization. Incredible a great testing bed for what was to come today, for today in the West. That's what it was. And one of the documentaries I saw too was also on and some of the, the Greek Orthodox priests who survived in the Soviet Union, where they were rounded up in some of the countries, sent off to special prison camps, and they described what they had to go through too, including having to beat each other or be beaten. They're trying to break down every any possible bonding, dehumanize you to the utmost, uh, having all your emotions torn apart as you hated yourself for trying to survive by beating your fellow people and all of that kind of stuff. It's just incredible. And then, of course, when you saw what was happening in the various torture prison camps the U.S. had set up, it, it put me in mind of that so quickly. I thought, my God, you know, it's, it's happening. It is happening, and the people don't realize it's happening. It can be made to happen back at home, too. That's still to come. It will be happening inside the European countries, inside Canada, inside the USA. The exact same system. Because every day tells you the reports in the papers with the hyper-security, more security, more intrusion into everyone's lives. You know it's coming. And the fanatics, they are recruiting for it. You know it's coming. And the children who've been brought up with this stuff, you know it's coming. Now, I've documented many of the, the players in the past who have helped to shape this system, who worked with Tavistock, by the way, and is admitted to officially not some mythical, strange, uh, wishy-washy Tavistock, the real Tavistock Institute, the spearheaded, uh, the whole idea that um, they could manipulate the, the human mind by different technologies, different means, even electronically. Aldous Huxley talked about that himself in one of his videos. It's up on YouTube. But he also talked to Berkeley about it, and he said that... Uh, they were sticking wires in the brains of patients there. They called them patients. These They certainly weren't volunteers. And uh, they were turning them on and off. That, that kind of stuff is well documented in psychology classes today. But here's an article here by Dr. Josie M. R. Delgado, who is Director of Neuropsychiatry, Yale University Medical School. And this is in the Congressional Record Number 26, Volume 118, February 24th, 1974. He said, we, and he's working for the feds and, and all the big boys, uh, the real big boys above what you think is the feds. He says, we need a program of psychosurgery for political control of our society. The purpose is physical control of the mind, physical control of the mind. This was no little player, this guy. Everyone who deviates from the given norm can be surgically mutilated. 
the individual may think that the most important reality is his own existence. But this is only his personal point of view. Man does not have a right to develop his own mind. We must electronically control the brain. Someday armies and generals will be controlled by electronic stimulation of the brain. You tie that in with the writings of Skinner, and uh, Skinner's ideas were identical with this guy's here. Identical with them. And then there's an article here of the, of the, 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 the massive amounts of new mental illnesses they're categorizing, at least making things into mental illnesses, just like the Soviet Union. And this article is from Off the Grid News. It says, is free thinking a mental illness? It says, is nonconformity and free thinking a mental illness? According to the newest edition of the DSM-4, which is Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, it certainly is. The manual identifies a new mental illness called Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Now we'll be back on this ODD, or ODD as they call it, after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about free will, free thinking and how they're diagnosing everything, any opposition at all, exactly as the Soviets did and categorizing it as, me- as mental illness. One of the illnesses they had in the Soviet Union, in fact, was called inflexibility of opinion. You couldn't be persuaded to think politically correct in, in that fashion, so you were diagnosed and sent off to Siberia. Look, I'm not kidding about that, that was one of their official ones that they had. But this one is about free thinking here, of course, in the West, because it's, it's a continuation. The Soviet was the experiment, and under the Rees Commission and the Norman Dodds, um, what he found out during the inquiry, uh, they were to blend the Soviet system with that of the West, and they have done so. They did it first through the schooling system, and then they, they defunct the old system from within with the destruction of the culture and the so-called free love era, which was uh, now we're down and everyone's on drugs, and what a mess the country is in. There's tent cities across America as well now, in some places. What a utter mess. And no one's helping anybody because they don't know how to help each other. They can't bond with anybody anymore. Amazing. What a war this has been. Anyway, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders is just constantly creating new mental disorders. And it says here, the DSM-4 is a manual used by psychiatrists, I like that last part of psychiatrist. Psyche is the mind, you see, and the rest of it is artist. They play with the mind. That's what they perform, you see. They don't really know what they're doing. They just perform. Anyway, it's just to diagnose mental illnesses, and with each new addition, there are scores of new mental illnesses. Are we becoming sicker? Is it harder to, to be mentally healthy? The authors of the DSM-4 say it's because they're better able to identify these illnesses today. No, it's not. It's because they were not called illnesses before. They were called normal responses to, to abnormal situations. Getting a bit hostile is, is, is rather not. It's a defense mechanism, and it's also a survival mechanism. Anyway, critics charge that it's because they have too much time on their hands. Well, they've got too much to gain, just like the guys that invent global warming and get massive grants. That's what it is. New mental illnesses identified by the DSM-4 include arrogance, narcissism. That's what they created all through the 70s, be narcissistic and hedonistic. 
above average creativity. Well, that's terrible. It's an awful one, you know. Cynicism and antisocial behavior. Now, what's, how can you be antisocial today? Where everything goes. Well, you're anti-social today if, if you don't go the same way as everybody else is going. <laughs> That's what they mean by it. In the past, these were called personality traits, but now they're diseases. Oh, it says, and there are treatments available. All of this is a symptom of our over-diagnosing and over-medicating culture. In the past 50 years, the DSM-4 has gone from 130 to 357 mental illnesses. And I'll, I'll add, they're climbing. A majority of these illnesses afflict children, although the manual is an important diagnostic tool for the psychiatric industry, has also been responsible for social changes. The rise in ADD, bipolar disorder and depression in children has been largely because of the manuals identifying certain behaviours as symptoms, or symptoms of what? Symptoms of a disease. A Washington Post article observed that if Mozart were born today, he'd be diagnosed with ADD and medicated into barn normality. According to DSM-4, the diagnostic guidelines for identifying oppositional defiant disorder are for children, but adults can just as easily suffer from the disease. And we should remember that too. Remember they said that the attention deficit disorder was children, children, children. Now they're saying there's, there's adult EDDs as well now. This is how they always start things off. We'll go for one group. Once we've covered that base, we move it up a little bit, notch by notch. It says, according to them, um, uh, the Soviet Union used new mental illnesses for political repression. People who didn't accept the beliefs of the Communist Party developed a new type of schizophrenia. That was another one. They suffered from the delusion of believing communism was wrong. They were isolated, forcefully medicated, and put through repressive therapy to bring them back to sanity. Or killed, I should add, too, after getting tortured. When the last edition of the DSM-4 was published, identifying the symptoms of various mental illnesses in children, there was a jump in the diagnosis and medication of children. Some states have laws that allow protective agencies to forcibly medicate and even make it a punishable crime to withhold medication. This paints a chilling picture for those of us who are non-conformists. It doesn't it, though? Although the authors of the manual claim no ulterior motives but simply better diagnostic practices, the labeling of free thinking and nonconformity as mental illnesses has a lot of potential for abuse. It can easily become a weapon in the arsenal of a repressive state. Well, that's its function. That is its function. The psychiatric... Uh, you understand when socialism first took off, and, and it was the Soviets, of course, who were the first ones to openly use it and become completely socialist, as they called it. But it surely meant that science was ruled. Science was, was, was the master, and there was no more God or anything like that. Science would, would be the new God, and everything would have to be run rationally and logically, they, they said. And therefore, anyone who couldn't come along with it would have to be either reconditioned or eliminated. And they eliminated millions and millions of people who just couldn't see the, the 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 sense in what they were talking about. They certainly didn't see the proof of it in the way they were living. But in the Nazi era, I remember the Nazis copied a lot of their stuff from the Soviets because the Soviets had been slaughtering far, far longer than the Nazis were and killed a lot more people too, I might add. Um, and I've, as was mentioned in the, the documentary, The Soviet Story, there's a lot of good footage there that wasn't shown before of the two of them collaborating together. Um, you see uh, that uh, the Nazis use psychiatry in a very big way too. Back with more after this break. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. There's just so much you could say actually in an hour, there's not much at all. There's not much time to go into anything in any great depth, and um, and that's why really you can't really teach at any great level either uh, on the radio shows. All you can do really is try and point out the mainstream news, show you the other side of the stories, fill in the gaps that the journalists deliberately omit, and show you why things really happen as it's happening. So technically we're chronicling the events of things as we go through time. That's all we're doing, because you see... The war literally has been run for long before you were born in all different areas of your lives uh, and over your life too, which you were completely unaware of. And it would take so long to understand that, so, so long. You simply can't do it um, by going into the, the long-term history of it all, although it can be done in private lectures and so on. But here's an example here of what happened to a guy who tried to send in what he thought was valuable information to an ongoing trial in London. And he himself was got arrested for trying because they claimed he was interfering with the court case. And I mentioned to him before when it happened, it happened in Ireland and Wise Up Journal supplied most of the articles. So here's another recent one from Wise Up because this man is to go again for his next hearing. It says, free court case experience is November the 11th. And, and this is from the guy who did the 7-7 um, Ripple Effects movie. It's very good. I think it's still up on Google yet, where someone with dogged determination really stuck to all the, all the unanswered questions and dug out the evidence that they showed you that so much of what they, they, they were claiming simply could not have happened, at least not the way that they said it. And he presented a very, very good case. He sent off uh, his his uh, DVDs to the judge. He didn't tell the judge what to do with them, as far as I know. And But this, the mistake, too, is some of the people in the jury got them. So he was really done on trying to interfere with the case, according to them. But they didn't try him for simple interference uh, as like a misdemeanor. No, they put him into ter- the terrorist courts because this was the terrorist uh, uh, proceedings that was ongoing. So it says, if you have an interest in freedom, and that's true, that's how pathetic we are now. We're, we're so, we know darn well most folk have no memory. Uh, they hear the bad news and they're, they're gone on to something else tomorrow. It says, if you have an interest in freedom and want to experience a real court case trial, uh, it's free to enter the legal uh, precedent set in case on the 11th of the 11th uh, 10. So that's November the 11th. It says the trial could set an EU-wide legal precedent in two ways. Make, uh, make sending controversial truth, or what you perceive as truth, to law enforcers a criminal offense. Number two, it could allow individuals who directly send what they perceive as truth by post, emails, or any other means to law enforcers to be incarcerated in foreign prisons, because that's what's going to happen to this guy. On November 11th, you can experience the fight for freedom at the four court, the court's Dublin city centre and get a first-hand look at how the legal system is really run. It's John Anthony Hill. It's his second and final trial to be extradited to London. 
His state-appointed barrister lost him the first one. This time you can witness the brave John Anthony Hill taking on the battle for EU freedom himself without any barrister or legal team. Uh, the first one, really, I, I don't know if you understand how the court system works. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a world within a world. It's a fraternity, as we all know. And there is all these darn signs and so on between the judge and the barristers, etc. Uh, and um, that's how they really pass the real information to each other as to what tack they're going to take. It says, meet up with the rest of us at 10 a.m. outside the four courts to experience the trial and to support freedom. Afterwards, we'll have a few drinks in a nearby pub to recap on the events inside the courtroom. Hopefully, we'll be having a celebration party. And I hope they do too. I hope he gets acquitted and, and uh, they drop this ridiculous case. And it says, see you there. So, yet they are. They're, they're grabbing people who think they're doing a citizen's duty by finding evidence they think is important and they just pass it on and they, they don't come into court and say you better you better put this across to the people here no 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 you just send it to the relevant people leave it in their hands and if they want to toss it in the garbage bin it's up to them but in this case they actually took the man into criminal court for terrorism a terrorist court that's where we are today and don't think anyone who's listening, don't ever say to you, oh, well, that's over there. See, we've done that for too many years. Oh, that's over this other place. That's over there. So, no, it's here, folks. Here's an article here, and it's from the Council on Foreign Relations. I'll put these links up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show. And it's from their, their, their particular branch of their site. They have a site, of course. This is the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. It says, Global Governance Monitor. It says, about the global governance monitor, the challenge of global governance has never been more imperative and more daunting to realize. Now, who are these CFR? They're a private organization that we do not elect. They're a fraternity that, that you must be asked to join. You can't ask to join it. They, they came out of the Milner, the big banking group, the Milner, Cecil Rhodes and Rothschild group, who's, who became the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And they have run the history of the world for the last hundred years, by the way. And all of your journalists and all of your editors and the big moguls all belong to it. That's why you're all on board with the same propaganda worldwide. So I'll continue with the science it says here. So it's more imperative, more daunting to realize. The headlines are filled with transnational challenges from terrorism to climate change to weapons of mass destruction, to foster better understanding of modern global challenges and the international community's record. What is the international community? What is this international community? Have you met them? Have you? No. So they can put these terms in psycholinguistics until you part them and think it's a concrete thing. This is a written responding to them. The International Institutions and Global Governance, which is IIGG program. See, international institutions are non-governmental. They're the big foundations that run your world, the parallel government that Quigley talked about. So, so the Institutions and Global Governance, IIGG program, has launched the Global Governance Monitor the Global Governance Monitor is a tool that shows how the international community is doing, there is again, international community, is doing and addressing the most daunting threats that it faces. For each issue area, the monitor provides a cinematic overview of the challenge, which explains why international cooperation is needed. For what? To be what? To be utterly global under global governance. An interactive timeline that traces the world's efforts to craft collective responses to the challenge. 
They want to brainwash us all to go along with it, collective responses to the challenge. An issue brief that evaluates the overall performance of the regime and suggests potential reforms to improve international cooperation. International cooperation. A matrix that catalogues relevant international treaties, organizations and initiatives. An interactive map that details critical countries and groups and a resource guide for further information on the topic. We hope that by monitoring the world's performance, now we can help U.S. and international policymakers identify remaining gaps in global regimes and propose new institutions or partnerships to fill them. So he sees public-private partnerships again with the big foundations and their NGOs and so on, who have been global for an awful long time. They're complete internationalists. A terrorist now, by the way, is someone who opposes global governance. That's what Kissinger said in one of his uh, overseas talks when he was asked openly what he puts an American mean by a terrorist. He says someone who opposes the global um, the globalization. What he's, he's also telling you is a nationalist, you see, is a terrorist. If you believe in that flag or your country and so on, you are a terrorist. That's what it means. See, we are global already, and you'd better be, at least pretend to be, you know, when the when the jackboots are around you. And I'm not kidding about that. So that's a global governance monitor to, to make sure it's all going smoothly and work out the little problems, how it brainwashes more, uh, how, how much money has to go any more television shows or fiction and so on to to propagandize us without us realizing what's happening. That's what it's about. Now, <laughs> this EU is amazing. They even, they even call it the new Soviet. People who were in the Soviet Union say it's more Soviet than the old Soviet Union. With its secrecy and its bunch at the top that no one knows who, who they're elected and, and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that the politicians have no powers at all except to yell at each other and get little, little brownie points in the newspaper. But it says EU inve- reinvents history with blue plaques. The EU is preparing to spend almost 2 million, uh, I think that's euros, on a scheme to put uh, blue plaques in places of EU interest. Uh, Talking before the vote on the new European heritage label in Brussels today, Paul Nuttall, former modern history lecturer and UKIP's MEP, (laughs) it's all these names, the UKIP's MEP on the Culture Committee, on the Culture Committee, has denounced the move. Are we going to seriously get a blue plaque on Ted Heath's house in Salisbury? Not because he was a prime minister, but because he sold us down the river. He was a guy that really pushed the EU big time. He didn't come up with the idea, of course. It says they're suggesting that these heritage labels should go on places of remembrance. As we come up to Remembrance Sunday, that's for their veterans day over there, the thought that the EU might try and hijack the men in gate when in fact it commemorates the 55,000 British and Commonwealth soldiers who died to protect our independence from Europe, not controlled by Europe. Well, isn't that a fact, eh? It says, this is typical of the European Union, desperate to create a synthetic European identity. They're terrified that they do not own people's memory and history and prepare to spend millions of pounds of our money to generate a new one, exactly as Orwell said, of course. 
Mr. Nuttall went on, the Tories want to shift this budget from one place to another, but it seems to accept the general idea, which to anybody with a medicum of historic understanding would be an anathema. So, uh, yeah, they're changing the whole history of Europe. Remember, too, that John Dewey, who was sent over from the Frankfurt School and so on, to set up the American uh, system of education, or indoctrination, as he called it, and he said himself that they would eventually have to eliminate all histories of conflicts between different peoples and teach a whole new generation nothing but starting from a certain date, very much like they did in Cambodia. When the Cambodian uh, rebels won, uh, they began at year zero, and nothing had ever happened before it, according to their books, you see. That's where we are today. You ask the average youngster about history, they haven't got a clue. They think we've always been global. Yeah. They think a whole bunch of things that, that two mums is fine and two dads is fine. That they think a whole bunch of strange things, you see, because it's been hammered into them as being politically correct and okay and fine to talk about now. Because it's been promoted to a very, very high level. That's what I'm saying. In democracy, they say it's the will of the majority, but they must pay, pay special uh, notice to the minorities. Why are they so incredibly fixated on only a couple of minorities? What about all the other minorities? What about the majority? Why special status for certain peoples? Is that, is that really equality of any kind? Special status? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's part, it's definitely part of the total destruction and morality and what's left of any. I think it's way past it actually. But the destruction of morality and the old family unity that got us through thousands of years in prior times. It's gone now. So, uh, that Yuri Besmanov was quite right. It's, it was already, already over when he came over to First Canada, then the States. It was already done. It was accomplished. And the public didn't know. They, they thought we were just having a good time doing their own thing. They, they, you don't do anything on, at the public level unless it's authorized and pushed and promoted from the top with big dollars. That's how culture is created. Now, it's interesting too, Sarkozy, the guy they parachuted in to be the president of France, uh, this is, this is a spin they're putting out now. He's hated, it says. Sarkozy fears assassination amid strikes and protests across France. Nicolas Sarkozy fears he's so disliked by his country, his country, really, that he could be assassinated. The French premier has become one of the most unpopular presidents in 50 years after he raised the retirement age from 60 to 62. It's a lot more than just that he's done. Strikes and protests have erupted across the country in a backlash against Sarkozy's cost-saving plans. And it says, uh, it says, uh, the most hated French president in 50 years, Sarkozy, and they show you a photograph of his wife, Carla Bruni, who's been described as a Marie Antoinette figure and a liability. And he's so proud that she has extramarital affairs just to be a good uh, role model to the young children. They see, the agenda's still being pushed from the top, and that's what we, we silly assholes at the bottom do. We copy the, the, the ones at the top. We follow the stars and the celebrities that they dish out to us, and they make all these guys into celebrities. What do you think television's for? And Hollywood is all for? Follow the stars and their bizarre behavior that psychologists dream up by, by the way, and then turn around and watch your system fall to rot. Says here, just one in three of the French people now back their president, according to the polls. 
making him even more unpopular than General Charles de Gaulle in 1968 when millions took to the streets in protests against him. But there's more to it, of course, than they're telling you in, in that article there as well. The French know a lot more about Mr. Sarkozy than they're saying here. And now, of course, uh, with all this nonsense too about you, that I can't believe it, this, this stuff to do with printer um, cartridges and Yemen. Do you remember before all this happened, a few months ago I read about the fact that uh, Obama was eyeing up Yemen for attack? Well, now they're getting out all the, all the, uh, this building the reasons for attack for the public to accept. You must get the public on board when you want to attack someone. So suddenly these, these cartridges uh, show up. They say that they first came out in September. There were dummy ones, meaning there were real cartridges. And, and now they've found the ones which initially were said were, were, were just the same normal cartridges until the U.S. got a hold of them and they, they re-examined them after Britain said, well, they're actually explosives. I guess Britain's just too stupid, eh? Just too stupid to know what they're looking at. This is rubbish. This is propaganda to set up the attack against Yemen because there are a lot more wars to fight yet, you know. As long as there's, there's a, the last taxpayer in the U.S., Pumping the money out, they're going to send troops out to the last countries to conquer. Not for the U.S. either, as everyone is well aware. This is the four-place search. Outrage at new airport security check. So invasive it will become a moral issue. Airline passengers and civil liberties groups have expressed disgust and outrage at new security measures that are term- tantamount to foreplay. Well, they've seen so much in TV and reality television, they won't even care, most of them. The U.S. Transportation Security Administration trialed a new pat-down technique at Logan International Airport and is now rolling out the measures to all 450 office airports. The technique, described as horribly invasive by passengers' rights groups, involves security staff sliding their hand over passengers' bodies rather than patting them down if they object to going through the full-body imaging scanners. Pavlovian training. Oh, you're not going through that scanner? Okay, we'll touch you up. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix, just just leaving that story there to do with, um, if you don't go through the scanners, they're going to touch you up just to punish you and sicken you until you cave in, you know, and that's what they do with us. After all, we're just cattle according to Skinner and other people too that run your countries. Now, we'll go to uh, Deborah from Baltimore. Are you there, Deborah? And good to speak to you again. I haven't spoken to you in a dog's age. That's right. How you been doing? Uh, we won't go there. You won't go there, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will say um, to the to the young man that had spoken to you earlier, I would strongly urge, if you really want to bring yourself up to speed, buy one of Ellen's books. They're excellent. They'll lay it all out for you. You'll see the world in a whole new place, and you'll catch right up to speed. Um, I mean, you brought a lot of um, fragments together for me with your with your writing mm-hmm. um, that had ordinarily kind of remained couldn't couldn't quite connect it. That's right. They're scattered. Yeah. They're yeah. Scattered, and yeah. then you did, and and it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So I will say that. There's a, there's two ways of learning. Two ways of learning, and one of them is gestalt. 
and Gestalt works differently from others. It's when you literally have that implosion where things all come together at once on certain topics when you're in the right frame of mind and you have that eureka moment and that's what you try to do with people because it's true, we all know so much. It's just that it's all scattered, disconnected and... Uh, but once it comes together, you have the knowledge within you. You've experienced life. Yeah, yeah. it's always. You've always questioned X, Y, Z. You've questioned all of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, to have somebody so concisely kind of bring it to the fore and just kind of like boom, there it is. Mm-hmm. It's just it was it was um, it was a wonderful experience to read your book. Yeah. Um, with regard to you know we're all terrorists now. I had heard. Um, unfortunately, I'm with, without Internet until tomorrow, but um, I had heard on another radio talk show on the Internet um, there was a, I don't know how much of this is true because I haven't been able to research it myself, is in the DSM manual, the, the manual that psychiatrists, psychologists use, and social workers, that now anybody who is in, who, who challenges authority, who questions authority, or who distrusts authority is now um, mentally unstable. That's right. It started in the Soviet Union, actually called it anti-government. It doesn't matter what policy you criticize, you were now anti-government. It wasn't the policy anymore. And so I used to say that the opposition parties, therefore, must be anti-government because they scream about the, what they're putting through on the other side. Uh, but really, that's the same techniques. Everything that they used in the Soviet system is now here. Even the term political correctness is, is comes from the so is a direct translating relation from the Soviet Union. Exactly. Yeah. I had um, a Russian defector friend of mine who brought me up to speed on what was going on over there the whole time I was growing up. He was growing up there, so yes. it was it was a good exchange. And. Um, the other person who said, well, that's happening over there. It's not going to happen over here. No. Certain areas may be a test case scenario, but, yeah, that's going to be brought here. Yeah, absolutely. It's all, most of it's already here under different names, terms, and laws, and rules, and regulations. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the music coming in, and um, I'll have to go, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah. So from Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.